How many choices have you made today already? I'm guessing it's somewhere in the neighborhood of a couple hundred. Mine started with whether to hit the snooze button, whether to put on slippers because the floor was cold, how hot to turn up the shower. And those were the ones before I was actually really fully conscious. So many of our choices are small and mundane and kind of automatic. We make them without thinking about the implications, the cost, or the promise that they hold for the future. Every choice we make has a cost or a consequence. Hitting the snooze button has a cost, 10 minutes less. When we say yes to one choice, we are saying no to other things. Yes to watching our carbohydrates equals no to a heaping plate of delicious spaghetti. Every choice also holds promise or the possibility of even a cascade of so many other life-giving things. Yes to watching our carbs diligently, promises probable weight loss, which leads to feeling better physically, more energy, more, better sleep, better blood work, hopefully a longer and more productive life. It's a little bit amazing that one of those small choices that we make today, repeated daily, can have such a significant and lifelong promise. The gospel today is all about the promise of one of those daily choices. Jesus has been teaching his disciples about being bread, uh, the bread of life for the world. And we've heard about it for the last four Sundays in a row. He's finally come to the end of his discourse. And the crowd says, well, that's pretty wild. And we're not sure we can believe that. And if we put on our logical thinking hats, those of us here can probably agree that some guy saying that he is the source of eternal life for the world, if we just eat him, ew, a little far-fetched. It's worth mentioning that this crowd that he's been speaking to isn't just the local folk who heard Jesus was teaching and showed up at the synagogue to see what he was about. This crowd includes his disciples, the ones who have been with him for months, listening to him teach and watching him do great signs, as John says, miracles. And Jesus says to them, it's your decision. You can choose to eat bread that fills your bellies temporarily until you get hungry again and die. Or you can choose this bread of life that I'm offering. It will fill your deepest hunger and nourish you forever 
into everlasting life. But it's your choice. And many of his disciples choose to leave. The cost of discipleship is too much. The promise of eternal life doesn't justify the cost of losing their reputation, their social and family connections, their livelihood. Jesus turns to those who hesitate and says, you leaving too? Peter, in one of his moments of clarity, says, where would we go, Jesus? We know you're the one. We can't find that anywhere else. We're here with you for the long haul. The cost of discipleship is choosing to be with Jesus for the long haul, choosing to not be like the rest of the world. We are choosing to give up Sunday sports to be part of a community. We're choosing to make right and costly choices instead of easy and lucrative ones. We are choosing to forsake ego and bravado for vulnerability, to acknowledge the frailty of our human instincts for competition and status and accumulation. We are choosing to make God's priorities our priorities, to confront evil and injustice we see every day when we witness people and nature stripped of dignity, the beauty of God's precious creation wasted instead of loved. Choosing to join Jesus' ministry of bringing love, hope, and healing to a world that is searching for meaning and a way to fill the emptiness, the hunger that seems insatiable. The promise of discipleship, of staying with Jesus, is the promise that God knows us, loves us no matter what, and wants us to continue to grow and thrive. It's the promise that we are not now and never will be alone on this journey. And it's the promise that the power of God to transform us and the world will continue to be revealed to, to us and through us. Those disciples who stayed, they took a deep breath and acknowledged that they had seen wild and amazing things happen while they were following Jesus. Ordinary things water, bread, fish, the stuff of everyday life had become extraordinary in Jesus' presence. As Peter points out, that doesn't happen anywhere else. 
when the word of God encounters water and bread and wine and they become infused with the holy, we too have to admit that we cannot find that experience anywhere else. In baptism and Holy Communion, God becomes viscerally present in Jesus the Word. And the Word becomes one with simple, common, and ordinary elements so that we, who are simple, common, and ordinary, may receive the holy with confidence. God is always present in our lives, even in the most ordinary moments. It's our choice to believe in God. It's our choice to partake in the living food and drink of Jesus' gift of himself to us. It's a choice that is not rational or scientific. It is a choice of faith. It is a choice for something that cannot be fully explained, that must be known with our hearts. It is a choice for transformation. A choice that we continue to make every time we receive communion every time we choose to receive Jesus into us, to abide with us and we with him. It is a daily choice that has significant and lifelong promise to change our lives and the lives of everyone we meet. It will not be the only choice you make today Heaven knows several hundred have already gone by. Choose Jesus.